Welcome back. We are talking about million-dollar careers and how to set yourself up for a million-dollar career, if that's what you want to do. And uh, I'm back with my buddy, Rob Houghton. And uh, Rob, good to see you today. Happy Friday. Good morning, Craig. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Doing any surfing today? No, I went to the gym. I just came straight from the gym to the office. Haven't even showered yet. It's awesome. I love Fridays. You've got to figure out a workout that you could do on the beach, man, because I know how much you like the ocean. I've got gotta... one. I've got one. But then you get all sandy and, you know, it's it's kind of nasty. So anyway, yeah, I'm just not ready for that yet. But there's a good one. I should get out there more. Good, man. Yeah. So All good. So uh, good topic today. Yeah, man. Um was talking to, I mentor college kids. You know, there's a, the local university, they, they pick business leaders out locally and they have a good mentoring program. And I was talking to a couple college kids today. And then interestingly enough, I ran into some friends last night and it just by happenstance and we, 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 we went and got a beer. We were literally, we were out, we ran into each other and we went and got a beer. And the topic became, can you create a curriculum around making kids successful? How do you teach it? And, and what's the message? And it all came down back to the conversation I had with the college kids. Elevate your neighborhood. Always be curious. Elevate your neighborhood. Find people who are better than you. And listen, and always be seeking out people who are better than you. Yeah, they say that you're the average of the five people that you are the closest to in terms of friendship. I agree with that. Yeah. You know, as one, as one, uh, one way I like to put it, some people, some people take offense. It's like a ditch your loser friends. Absolutely. Um, ditch your loser friends. And I don't mean ditch your friends, you know, ditch your friends. I mean, ditch your friends that don't bring you up. Your work colleagues who are quietly quitting, ditch them. You know, if you're if you're moving 100 miles an hour and they want to move it too, get rid of them. Go find, go find people who want to hang out and run 100 miles an hour. My old man used to tell me, show me who your friends are and I'll show you who you are. Yeah. Absolutely. The old man. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, I mean, look, that's a good, that's a, that's a good point. You know, people, it's, it's crazy. You know, people who smoke dope, hang out with other people who smoke dope. <laughs> they don't go anywhere. Um, I noticed the Harvard people all hang out with Harvard people. And they're usually hanging out at some expensive restaurant on Fifth Avenue. Maybe there's a correlation here, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, I like your acronym, ABC. Now, ABC. ABC, you know, always be curious. ABC in my office is always be closing. But I kind of like the ABC, you know, um, knowledgeable mind without curiosity is like poetry without essence. Very mm -hmm. important. You know, curiosity is one of the four things we talked about. I think it was about a year ago. We talked about the four things at the Harvard Business Review came out about what makes a really successful, talented CEO. 
Mm -hmm. And I still remember, number one was determination. Number two was insight. Number three, curiosity. Number four, interpersonal communication skills. I'll send anybody the article who wants to see it. But yeah, curiosity is in the top four. Intellectual curiosity is extremely important. So I had a conversation with a guy who called me up the other day. And we were talking. He's like, look, you know, cubicles do horrible things to people's minds. And this is one thing I hate about work from home. If you work from home, you're on an island. I mean, yeah, it's great. You don't have to drive to work. And and look, you know, there are people in the world who are just happy, you know, doing their thing. That's cool. But the thing I hate about work from home is it becomes very difficult for people to grow if they want to grow. You know, there's no personal interaction. You know, you're, everything is Zoom, phone call, you know. You have to make an effort to get out. And I think cubicles do the same thing to people. You stick people in a cubicle. And all of a sudden, it's like that racehorse with blinders on. They just see what's in front of them. And they don't see what's around. So a guy calls me up the other day. And he's like, look, I am really tapped out. He goes, I'm in a place where, look, I got a great job. And he does have a good job. And he is, he, you know, he's, he's very well respected. He's got a good job. He goes, but I'm not growing. And my boss isn't going to leave. And I'm not going to grow here. And I can muddle along in a good job for another 10 years, but I'm bored. And he's got his blinders on. He said two things. Here's two things or three things you can do. One. Figure out where you want to go. And then you've earned the right as an executive or a professional where you are. You've earned the right to reach out to other people in the industry. You know, talk to go talk to the CEO of Acme Corporation or go email the CEO, go call them, set up an appointment with them. Or go, go call a peer of yours at another company. Or go find a company that you think is really cool because you know you're doing some stuff. You know, that they're, they're, they're calling on you all the time. Maybe you call them back. You've earned that right. And just say, hey, look, you know, what do you do? How did you get there? Tell me more. Here's what I'm doing. I'm feeling a little stuck. If you hear of something that might be cool, I'd like to know about it. That's a conversation yeah. everybody can have. Yeah. And people, they sit in their cubicles and they go, I'm not worthy of that. Or I'm just a guy or a girl sitting in a cubicle. And, you know, it, it sucks the life out of them. But that's, that's the first thing they can do. Yeah, you become what's called uh, a jag. A jag? Just another guy. Just another guy. Can never that, fall into that trap. And and what's the, you know, it's like, yeah, the, the idle mind is the devil's playground, right? Exactly. When you're sitting in your cubicle, looking at the ceiling, going, what, what, what have I done with my life? It's like sitting in jail and it's mentally draining and the devil is banging on your brain and making you, you know, making you crazy. So that's one. Reach out, network. There's a great article. Um, I got to find it. But it was written by a great Hollywood. It was written by a Hollywood producer who said, 
lean out the window and start having conversations. And he made, you know, just because he leaned out the window and started having conversations with people, his whole mind expanded. So that's one. I, I totally get that. So I've always felt like, you know, curiosity and questions yep. will get you a lot further in confidence and answers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Ask the question and just shut up and listen. The smartest guy in the room is usually the dumbest. Absolutely. Or the person who thinks they're the smartest in the room is usually the dumbest. It's the it, it's the gray man you got to watch out for. So that's the first thing is curiosity. If you're not having conversations with people in your industry and reaching out to people you don't know and just saying, hey, I want to know you. I want to build a relationship. I want to know what you do. You can do that. You know, people will open themselves up to people who say, hey, just tell me more about you because their favorite subject is themselves. And they're happy to tell you about themselves yeah, and their company and what's going on. But if you ask like, hey, you got any jobs? The answer is you know, no, because you're asking for something. You're asking for something. But if you're saying, hey, tell me about yourself, tell me what you do, you will learn so much. But that's one thing. The second thing I was told, telling this fellow, I go, look, you are the guy. You think about what you do every day. And you think about you're very humble and you think it's no big deal, but it really is. And you think about who's calling on you. Who's calling you every day? All these, all these sales guys are calling him all the time. And he's on the customer advisory board for some big companies. And I said, you have knowledge. Go get on LinkedIn. You know, expand your profile on LinkedIn and start putting up posts. Three things to know before you go buy a jet. Three things I wish I'd learned before, you know, I did this, you know, and take it as an industry expert because you are the industry expert. So, you know, always be curious, but start putting yourself out there and become the guy. It's not very hard. People want to learn from you too. Yeah, you want to be the go-to guy, that's for sure. Yeah. I read your stuff all the time, huh? You read my stuff all the time? All the time. Love it. I'm just a country boy, man. I saw you, I saw your podcast with Pete Gold. Did you really? Yeah, it was good. The Green Beret, huh? The Green Beret. That guy's got a lot of wisdom, man. Did you see the uh, New York Times article? Um, about what? About uh, the Navy, a recent New York Times. Yeah, one of the Navy, one of the one of the kids who just you know who's a who's a college athlete. Um, made it through SEAL training. And then died. Like yes. Hours later. I saw that. And, and yeah, there's, you know, and he's talking about how Navy SEAL training needs to be, you know, totally upended because somebody died. As much as I feel for the guy who died and his family, trust me there. Um, And I think there were some failures in that. There were some failures there. But you don't, you don't upend. You know, it's, you know, pilots, you know, Navy and Air Force pilots die all the time in training. You don't change the training, right? Anyway, yeah. and the reason I say that is, hey, look, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you're looking for people who have, you know, Pete Gold's, Pete Gold was interesting. Yeah. The training is meant to be hard for a reason. 
Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Because what comes after it is hard. The work is hard. Yeah. It. I mean, in special operations, you have to train the standard. You know, there is no time limit. You have to, to train the standard because it's life and death out there. And the, the reason why that training is hard is for a reason. You know, there can't be any weak links in a team because your team is only as strong as the weakest link. So. Your team is as strong as the weakest link, and that comes into business. If you got, if you got, yeah, if you got a quiet quitter out there, there's your weakest link. Exactly. Yeah. And you know it. You know the people who are. You know the people who are slacking. Everybody knows that people are slacking. They just don't have the courage to get rid of them. Yeah, like that goes back to your point. If you had, if you've got quiet quitters in your organization, you have to divorce yourself from hanging out with those people. Yeah, elevate the neighborhood. Elevate the neighborhood. Yeah. Don't be hanging out with the person who's bitching and whining. Don't be ha hanging out with the person who's, you know, manana time at five. I mean, look, like I said, this is we're not talking about people who are just happy. You know, being. Okay, average. The purpose of what we do on this show, The Million Dollar Career, you know, our audience who I speak with are people that want the million dollar career. Yeah. I don't care if anybody's watching out here that that, that is a quiet quitter. Who cares? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I could care less about that guy. I'm trying to reach, and you're trying to reach the people that want a million dollar career. All we're doing is opining some advice here and that is mm -hmm. you know you've got to be the average of the five people you hang out with at home and in the office mm -hmm. ask a lot of questions and be curious mm -hmm. and i think that's you know look yeah you know, when i think about you know, all the advice i give to young professionals college kids i'm like okay you know be curious always be learning you know look market yourself a little bit People, you know, as, as I tell the college kids, I go, people are checking you out. And they're checking you out on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. And if they show you, if, if all your pictures of you are of you hanging out in bars with your frat buddies or sorority sisters, you know, drinking and having a good time, you know, doing shots. And that's, that's what people, that's the image people take and get of you. You know, that image will pay 20 bucks an hour you know, on an offer. But if they see you, you know, making logical posts, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know writing you know, articles about things you read, it shows a mental capacity that they want. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's how, you know, the, the, you know, look, you know, that's what people are looking for. It's like, hey, you know, how does this person think? Hey, it's a good thing we didn't put those photographs in Saratoga. Oh yeah, on LinkedIn and on our Instagram, huh? What, what four middle-aged guys smoking cigars and drinking wine in the on the back porch? <laughs> I wasn't thinking of those photos. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. Uh, curiosity is is actually a a sign of intelligence. That's why it's on an HBR list. You know, I'll take a curious person over a a knowledgeable person all day long any day of the week any day all week. all day long i've got a guy in my office all this guy does is just ask questions one question after another he's the smartest guy 
you know, my son is interesting. I mean, he he really amazes me. And uh, yeah, everybody's proud of their kids. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll throw that out there with a, uh, but he's a 4.0 student. He's a senior at University of North Carolina with a 4.0 GPA. I mean, and, and this to me is what, this to me is I think about what he does. He is a bio, biology and chemistry major with a 4.0 GPA. Uh, he teaches two classes. He's 20 years old, not even 21 years old. He teaches two biology classes at the university level as a teacher's assistant. They just give him the class. You go teach it. He's a peer mentor and he's a full-time paramedic. It's a big, that's a big load. And he came home a couple of weeks ago and, and he's a, he's, he's a lot of, he's, a, he's kind of a funny kid. We don't talk that much. He and my wife are like, yak, 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 yak. You know, him and I, it's kind of like dude stuff, you know? Hey, Rye, how's it going? Good. What'd you do today? Nothing. You know, it's kind of like that. You know, it is. It is what it is. But I asked him, I go, look, you're doing really well. What do you attribute it to? He goes, well, you know, YouTube. When he doesn't understand something, or even when he was in high school, when he didn't understand something, he used to get on YouTube and he would watch, he would just Google biology, you know, Subject matter of the, I don't know, whatever this, whatever biology, whatever biology subject he was. And he would listen to a couple of lectures over and over and over again until he understood it. I wonder if he watches us on YouTube to, no. to try and get ahead in his career. Huh? On, kids don't learn anything from their parents. <laughs> They'll take advice from everybody else, but never from their parents. Yeah, but this is the million dollar career, man. This is the million dollar career. He's got to be watching this. No, he doesn't. But but I but I'm but I, I was always impressed with his just his, his like his you know quietly never told anybody that's what he did but he just he's like yeah I get on YouTube I go when I don't understand things I get on YouTube and I go find yeah. it and I go somebody explains it to me yeah like that's pretty cool I like that so I like the curiosity but I like his intellectual ability to go out and he's like hey look you know the information's there it's right in front of you you just got to go find it he sounds like a really curious guy. Yeah, he's interesting. He called me. He called us. Uh, he called Lisa up the other night, and she's like, "He called Saturday morning. He calls her up, and she's like, how you doing?'" He goes, oh, "I was up all night. What happened?" Well, we got a call at three o'clock in the morning. Somebody went into cardiac arrest. And he did CPR on somebody for an hour. He made twenty bucks. He makes twenty-two bucks an hour. He did CPR on some guy for an hour, saved his life. He makes twenty-two bucks. He's like, you know, most excited, yeah, and and he doesn't care about the money. He's like, yeah, he's he's off. He's going to go to med school. He wants to go to med school. It's like, he's the kind of guy who'll save a life at three in the morning at seven 30. He'll walk into his classroom. Ready to go. Plus on a test. Yeah. Ready to go. So yeah. Look, okay. I'm proud of my son. There you go. We, we're all proud of our kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and I think the last thing we were talking about to these kids was, you know, always be curious, elevate your neighborhood. Show people what's inside your brain is huge. But I think the I think the the key to that million dollar career is really fine. And I think companies are horrible about this. They should be doing it more. They should be focusing on it more. But they should really be quietly, you know, look, you know who your good players are. You really know who the leaders are in your organization. And the leaders in the organization should be mentoring should be coaching the up-and-comers. Yeah, that's uh, 
I did a blog about that. Uh, actually, the blog comes out this coming Friday on what, what I call quiet hiring. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is exactly what you just described. It's hiring authorities, supervisors, and leaders in these organizations identifying those people who are having an impact in their organization and very quietly, without a lot of fanfare, providing them with the resources necessary in terms of providing leadership opportunities, providing management opportunities, mm -hmm. providing financial resources for continuing education, continuing certificates, basically enabling and empowering those people in the organization mm -hmm. who are not quietly quitting, but are but are performing above and beyond the call of duty. And that's what I call quiet hiring. Smart companies are quietly hiring. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal. One of the one of the companies that does this the best that was actually profiled is Google. Google's really, really good about quietly hiring. Mm -hmm. They they put together actually a talent committee. I think it's of five people. And they came up with the attributes. What are the attributes that we value in our company? And they come up with eight. I think they call them the elite eight. And basically, you know, their senior management, senior leadership knows what these attributes are. So they're continually looking. They're like basically talent scouts. Mm -hmm. And they use this primarily internally. So if they, if they identify somebody, it comes up to the committee, that person is identified and they're quietly, quote unquote, hired. In other words, they, they're going to groom this person now. And then when they look externally, they educate their recruiters. They educate their HR department. We want to quietly hire these kinds of people. I call them the RKGs, the right kind of guy or the right kind of gal. Organizations need those RKGs. And that's what quiet hiring is all about. I think, and that's exactly what you just described. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting to me. Big companies have their leadership development programs. And I'll come out and tell the CEOs of Raytheon, Air Products, you know, straight up. Leadership development programs, here's what they do. They go to the best universities in the country. And they go find these kids coming out of the, 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 the universities and they, they attract them to their company. And then they put them in this leadership development program, which is a rotation where all these young 20 somethings spend six months or a year. GE does it. You know, I've seen a lot of it. And they, they recruit these people in from, you know, and it's, it's, it's an elitist program. And when the, what they do with that, and here's where I have serious heartburn from it. I'm really yet to see anybody that comes out of the LDP program succeed. I, 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 you know, I'm like, yeah, great. You got to see, you got to see 20 different things, but you did absolutely nothing. You know, you had no success. So that's my, my big heartburn right there. But then where my bigger heartburn is, is somewhere in that organization, there is a person who worked their way through Murray state or pick a college. I just, I, I just, almost went there, man. Yeah, they, they, yeah, there you go. You know, like I'm just, yeah, pick a, pick a university and they worked their way through it and they kicked and scratched and they did everything they could. And then they're in your company and they're looking for opportunity and they're seeking opportunity 
and you just denied it to them because you chose to go find these elite people out there. And so you sucked the life out of somebody, some, some ferocious player in your company who with a little bit of guidance would become a star. And what does that person do? They leave. And then you're stuck with these LDP program people who you rotated around, taught nothing to. You showed them a bunch of stuff. You really didn't teach them anything. You didn't give them anything to do. And then, you know, you suck the life out of one or two people in your organization because the message is you're really not good enough. We're going to go out and recruit elsewhere. I'll give you a personal example. So I'm going to date myself now. 1979, okay? Way back in the day. Did they have cars then? They basically had fast <laughs> bicycles back then. You know? All right, all right. I had a 10-speed. No, um, so I was between my junior and senior year at St. Bonaventure University. Mm -hmm. I was an average student. I was a 2.9 student. Worked my ass off. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, probably because I was playing uh, uh, Division One basketball at the same time, and balancing, you know, competitive sports and athletics. Had, had a 2.9 average. Didn't have a lot of offers. Sent out 100 letters to different companies in Houston, Texas. Wanted an internship with a Fortune 500. Okay. I got three responses. First two, after driving down to Houston from St. Bonaventure, which is about a two and a half day drive. I'm down to my last company, Arco Oil and Gas. Okay. Oh, the old Atlantic Richfield, right? I'm sitting in this guy's office, this crusty old chief growth officer at that time. And he's like, hey, you wanted a conversation? Because that's all I wanted is a conversation. All I wanted was a conversation. He goes, here's our conversation. You're a great guy. I get it. You drove your car down here, played college basketball, 2.9 average. You want a job here? but we've only got two slots, leadership development program. And I said, do you don't have a third? And he says, I just have budget for two slots. And I said, I'll take any job you want. I just want to work here as an accountant. I was an accounting major. He, he opens up his file, uh, he opens up his file drawer. There must've been a, a foot, you know, 12 inch stack of resumes. He goes, and these are my backups. And I said, do you give me an opportunity? I'll outwork those two guys. I said, I'll work for a minimum wage. I just want a spot. I just want to work here at Arco. Because to be honest with you, I just drove two and a half days. And mm -hmm. this is the last stop. I'm not driving mm -hmm. back to New York w without a job. <laughs> so you can put me in the kitchen, emptying garbage. I yeah. will literally do anything to work. Yeah. Because this is the last stop. And he looks at me. And he looks at the stack of resumes. And he says, you know. He goes, uh, I'll get you a job as, he says, I'll hire you as an accounting processor, minimum wage. I'll give you a cubicle. And if you want to call that an internship with Arco Oil and Gas, call it an internship. And I said, sir, I will tell you what, I'll be back down here in two weeks, start this job for the summer. And I'm going to outwork those two guys, whoever they are, into the ground. And I'll make you proud of me. And we shook hands. He goes, I'll see you in two weeks. I come down in two weeks. The two LDP guys, the leadership development program. I'll never forget this. One guy was from Harvard. The other guy was from Stanford. Okay. They had two nice offices. I mean, like executive offices, right? 
and they show up the first day. I'm in jeans and a polo shirt. These guys, you know, thousand dollar Hickey Freeman suits, mm-hmm. and they roll in there. I'm in my cubicle, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to kick their asses, you know. <laughs> and yep. I remember every morning I'd show up at like seven o'clock, and these guys are rolling about nine, and they'd have their they were doing tours and the VIPs and they were doing a lot of nothing basically. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm doing real accounting work, processing invoices from offshore dr- uh, drilling rigs. I was the last guy to leave and that got noticed. So this chief growth officer came down after about two weeks. Right. And he goes, Hey, Rob, he says, mm-hmm. you're starting to make these two guys look bad. He goes, you know, everybody's been talking about you. You're the star down here, man. You're coming in turning the lights on, leaving the office late, turning the lights off. These two guys are two, three hour lunches. He goes, man, he says, you got to let up, man. You're making these guys really bad. I said, I'm going to, I told you I was going to kick their asses. I'm going to kick their asses. They thought they were so superior to me that they never even said good morning. Okay. Yeah. After four weeks, one of the guys was terminated because he just wasn't working. I got that slot. He called me in the office and says, you're my new leadership development guy. I said, sir, I don't want the office. I want to stay at my cubicle. I'm going to continue to work really, really hard, but I don't need it. He gave me the extra money, which was a raise from like $600 a month to like three grand or something. So that was nice. At the end of the summer, he offered me the job. He offered me the same job that the leadership development guy was going to get. Just take it? I turned it down, man. Turned it down. Had a better job offer, man. Because during those two during those two months in Houston, mm-hmm. my ultimate goal was to work for a big eight accounting firm. Mm-hmm. So just like you said, I made those connections. I networked, had informal conversations. Mm-hmm. At the end, when they wanted me to accept the offer t- to work for ARCO, I made a pit stop. Stopped down at the Arthur Anderson office, which at that time was the largest public accounting mm-hmm. firm in the country. Hit the 17th floor button, went to the managing partner's office, Milt Fortson, asked him for a job, told him my whole story. He hired me on the spot. Well, this, there you go. That was it, man. That was all on me. Yeah. Just purely hard work. Well, it's, we heard the same thing. You know, our, our buddy Jack, you know, his Naval Academy appointment. You know, he rides his bicycle down to the senator's office in the rain. There you go, man. Yeah. And, and he's all soaking wet. And, you know, all the other people are there with their mothers. He goes and rides his bike down in the rain by himself. And he's like, look, I need this. Exactly. Like, I, I need this. Those guys are, they're going to be just fine. They're out there with their moms, you know, and their mothers will take care of them. I need this in life. I don't have any, I don't have a backup. Yeah, exactly. And he got I'm the appointment. Way. And now he runs a accomplished software executive, runs a company. You know, it, that was the backbone. I need this. I can't, <laughs> failure is not an option. I love that. So anyway, but that's kind of my, that's kind of my complaint about the LDP programs. That's what I loved about officer candidate school in the Navy. The Harvard guys got their heads shaved just the same as everybody else. Right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, there was no elite, there was no elitism, but that's the, the, the LDP programs to me are the ones that they suck the, the competitive out of the, you know, you got your pe- people in there who came out, you know, they just, yeah, you know, they want to compete. They want to play. They want million dollar careers too. And you come in, and you say, hey, "We're recruiting from the outside." And it's like, well, what about me? So you know, yeah. Anyway, you know, that's uh, that's it. So, how do people get a hold of you, Rob? Rob at mrfairfax.com. 
uh, I'm on LinkedIn. We do uh, podcasts. We do blogs. Go to my website. Everything's there, www.mrfairfax.com. And uh, thanks for the plug, Craig. I look forward to talking with you next week, man. Awesome. Thanks for coming back on, Rob. All right, Craig. Thanks, man. I hope you enjoyed the latest edition of the Aerospace Executive Podcast. You can reach out to me directly, Craig at NorthStarESG.com, or check us out at www.NorthStarESG.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or on YouTube. Just do a search for Aerospace Executive Podcast. Thanks again. I'm Craig Pippen.